Hello, this is Jenny Bell from Clarington, Ohio, and I'm listening to Barbecue Central. Welcome to the Barbecue Roundtable, a monthly show where a select panel of guests talk about a specific barbecue topic. From backyard pitmasters to professionals on the competition barbecue circuit, there's sure to be a wide range of opinions and views on how to prepare the best barbecue. If you're interested in participating in a future roundtable show, visit our homepage at www.bbq-the-numeral-4-theletteru.com and click on the email button to submit your request. And now, here's the host of the outrageously successful Barbecue Central podcast show, who will now be acting as the moderator of the Barbecue Roundtable, Greg Rampey. Thanks to Jim Morgan, and welcome to the Barbecue Roundtable. This is actually the Barbecue Central show, and uh, this is the the first edition, if you will, of uh, a live edition of the Barbecue Roundtable. So a uh, little different show tonight. We're not going to go ahead and jump into the same stuff. Uh, we're actually going to be talking to uh, three of the top pitmasters out there on the barbecue competition circuit today. We're going to be talking about chicken. We've already covered brisket, we've covered uh, pork butt, and we've covered ribs in previous podcast versions, but here's a live version of the Barbecue Central show. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump right into this. So let me go ahead and introduce you to the panel tonight. Joining me from, uh, I believe it's Midlothian, Virginia, Tuffy Stone. He's the pitmaster of Cool Smoke. He also is the owner of Q Barbecue Restaurant. We have Rod Gray from Pellet Envy, who's the pitmaster and then a friend of the show, I think it's safe to say at this point. And uh, first-time guest, Kevin Tarazuski from Uncle Bubba's Barbecue. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me tonight. How are you? What's going on, Greg? Doing great. I think we got everybody. Rod, you you in there too? I'm here. All right, great. So uh, we're talking chicken tonight, guys. Again, I appreciate you uh, coming on to uh, talk about this. This has been a a very popular format of show for me in the podcast stage, so let's hope it kind of translates into the live version. And uh, let's go ahead and get right into everything. We'll start with uh, chicken preparation. Uh, But first, what are you guys cooking on? And uh, we'll start with Kevin. I'm cooking on a close ultimate. It's a 30 by 8, and it has a uh, slide-out charcoal grill in the front, which is uh, where I do most of the cooking on the chicken. Rod? Um, I primarily cook on an FEC 100 by Cook Shack pellet cooker. But I also cook on a more traditional Texas trailer-mounted offset uh, made by Jamie Gear. And Tuffy? Top master in the country. <laughs> uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> there we go. I have to agree with that last statement of rods. I, I cook on a, on a pit made by Jamie Gear as well. I actually have two of his, one of which I haven't cooked on yet, but uh, it's, a, it's an offset, and I run hickory. All right, so uh, we'll get in the, uh, the chicken, the, the pre-cook, the preparation. What kind of chicken do you guys use? And we'll start with Tuffy. I use bone-in, uh, skin-on, uh, chicken thighs. Uh, it's a label here in Richmond, uh, Fresh Fields, and it's an organic chicken uh, product that I've done real well with. I've also had a lot of success with Bell & Evans uh, as a chicken brand as well. Rod? You know, I'm not as specific about my chicken brand as I used to be. Um, there's a product out of Iowa called smart chicken it's an air chilled chicken um but they they must wrestle with the chickens before they <laughs> them because they feed them up pretty good um when i'm at home 
I'll, I'll cook that chicken if it's available. When I'm on the road, I'm just looking for a, a, a chicken that's got good pink meat and good white skin, not too thick, you know, a thinner skin if I could find it. But but the traveling that we do, and we, we take usually all our other meats with us, but we don't take our chicken with us usually. Um, so I've had to become a little less picky about my product. But as Tuffy mentioned, used to be I was a huge Bell & Evans fan, but it's no longer available to me here at home. Kevin? I use a company out of Alliance, Ohio called uh, Park Farms. Uh, they specialize in uh, processing young chickens. Uh, I use primarily bone-in thighs, and it's exactly what Rod's looking for. It's a very white skin chicken. It's a, the pieces are smaller because they're younger chickens, but they're also I find them to be also uh, extremely tender, and I've had uh, very very good luck with them. Uh, I tr- I tried to find Bell and Evans, which is about an hour and a half from my house, but I can't find anybody else that anybody around that distributes them. So, you know, what are you going to do? So, I went with uh, this company called Park Farms, and it's uh, it's done me well. Now, when you're looking at the chicken, I mean, is there anything in particular that you're looking for? And uh, we'll start with Rod on this one. Uh, yeah, and I probably, I guess I jumped the gun on my answer there, but I purchase about 24 chicken thighs to try to find 16 that I want. I'm looking for a uniform size, and honestly, I'm not. I, I'm not going to say I'm looking for big ones or small ones, but I'm looking for uniformity. I'd like them to be middle of the road if possible. However, if I get 16 thighs at a uniform size and they're smaller, I'm fine. If I get 16 thighs at a uniform size and they're larger, I'm fine. So size-wise, that's my priority. Other than that, is what I've already mentioned. I'm looking for as thin a skin as I can find in a white skin. Um, the yellow skin just doesn't just doesn't compute to me. And I'm looking for fresh chicken. I'm looking for not frozen, fresh, good color meat. Uh, that's my priority. That's all. Tuffy. Well, you know, I kind of made it a little simpler for me. I, I used to get leg quarters and separate the leg from the thigh so that I could get plenty of skin uh, to, to make the presentation the way I, want, I wanted to. And I would start with 24 and eventually get down to... Uh, 16, which eventually became six in a box. And now what I do is I pick up three, four packs. Uh, I look for skin, uh, thin skin as well. I'm, I'm always using the same brand. It's white skin, it's, and I'm looking for the freshest pack date uh, that's in the case. And I'm actually looking for the heaviest four packs. I'll pick the three largest uh, four packs in the case. And then I I go to it with a knife and make them look the way I want. Kevin, I generally go for about the same as these guys are talking about. Generally about twenty four pieces because they're packed in uh, twelve to a uh, twelve to a pack. Uh, I try to go generally they're about three and a quarter to three three and a half pounds, no heavier than three and a half pounds on the package. Um, but I I look for uniformity of size as well. Um, I don't want anything that's going to be, you know, too large or too small. Um, just a nice, nice even size, just like Rod was talking about. Um, that's pretty much about it. And I go for you know, look for the skin color, make sure it's nice and white. Uh, check the pack and date, you know, the, uh, you know, when it was processed date. Um, but other than that, that's pretty much what these guys have already said. All right, we'll no keep different. With, we'll keep with uh, Kevin on this one. Does anybody brine or inject their uh, their chicken? And uh, if you do, what kind of basic ingredients and how long are you brining for? 
I do, Brian. Um, it's pretty much a uh, it's a concoction that I've uh, kind of tweaked over the past couple of years. Um, obviously, water, salt, sugar, molasses, some other spices. <laughs> How's that for being generic? Um, <laughs> dead on three hours, um, and as cold as water as possible. Um, take it out. Uh, let it dry for a minimum of probably six to eight hours in the refrigerator, um, open air, and that's pretty much about it. Tuffy? Uh, I Brian as well, and it's like clockwork, 6 o'clock every Friday evening of the contest. My chicken goes into Brian from 6 to 8, and it comes out. Um, I travel with my Brian made in the cooler iced, so when I get to the contest location, my Brian's ice cold. My Johnny Triggs, smoking triggers, makes fun of me all the time. He says my brine looks like soup. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it has water and sugar and salt as well, but then it has all sorts of carrots and onions and fresh herbs and all sorts of silliness going on in there. So he, he laughs at me frequently. Rod Gray? You know, I'm not looking forward to answering this question. I just want you to know that, Greg. Um, Glad I can I, ask. <laughs> well... I, can I give you, before I answer it, can it include a little bit of history? Yeah, go ahead. I've been cooking competition barbecue since 2001. And if you look at the pellet envy results over the years, my worst category has been chicken every year until 2008. And then to be more specific, if you look at 2008, you will see that the end of April, my chicken scores turned around and we're going to finish the year uh, in the best position we've ever been in in chicken, the chicken category. I've, we've never been a top 10 chicken team. That has always been my Achilles heel. That's, that's always been our nemesis in chicken category. So about the end of April, I stopped brining chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so no <And> brine. <laughs> sort of what makes that funny is, as you know, I teach barbecue classes. Right. We teach exactly what we do. So uh, in the first and I don't have the number in front of me, but I would say six or seven classes, I taught my brine because that's what we do. But we've quit brining. So the classes, since I quit brining, we don't teach it anymore. Sorry for the long answer, but the short version is I don't brine my chicken. Yep, not a, not a prop. Um, next question, does anyone, uh, after the brining process, uh, does anybody trim up the skin? And uh, we'll start with Tuffy. Uh, well, I do have a trimming prior to the brine. Uh, what I... And Rod's seen me go through this process. Uh, I, I, I spend a, way too much time. I probably spend less today than I once did, but I, I spend, uh, without a doubt, chicken's my longest, uh, takes the longest to trim out of the four categories for me. I spend a lot of, I do a lot of knife work trying to take every one of those thighs and, uh, and make them uh, look consistent in their size and shape and and so a lot of knife work goes there, uh, both with the skin and the meat. Uh, and it's a lengthy process. Kevin? I spend about three to four hours on chicken prep. Um, these guys laugh at me because I'm up at 2 o'clock in the morning trimming my chicken. Um, but it, like I said, it, it's, it's, for me, it's about a three to four hour process. Um, and it's basically, you know, same same thing that Tuffy said. I mean, I'm like a surgeon trying to get uh, everything exactly the way I want it. I figure, you know, it's the little things that make a difference. 
Rod? Well, these guys are making me feel good because uh, it takes me about an hour to trim twenty-four chicken to trim sixteen chicken thighs. Um, it takes me. T- I prep my meat before I leave for a contest most times, and it takes me two hours. It takes me an hour to do the other three categories and an hour to do chicken. That's down from about two hours in previous years. Um, I've seen Tuffy trim his chicken. He and I are a lot alike, uh, and, and there's a lot of knife work goes into getting my chicken ready for competition. I, I hate to use this word, but I envy the folks I see that pull out their chicken at a contest and trim it up in about, in about 10, 15 minutes. I wish I could do that, but I can't do that. All right, uh, last question before we go to break. Does anybody, uh, I've seen these toothpicks make their way into uh, chicken thighs. Uh, so does anybody toothpick their chicken? And then on top of that, uh, how far in advance do you rub your chicken before going on to the cooker? Then we'll take a break and uh, come back with the cook section. We'll start with Rod. Uh, I've tried, you know, because of, of the trouble we've had with chicken all these years, Greg, I've tried everything. So, yeah, I've tried the toothpicks, but no, I don't use them anymore. And my biggest fear <laughs> is that I, that I, one of the biggest reasons I quit is I was, I was fearful I would leave one in the chicken. So, no, short answer is no. And how far in advance do you rub your uh, chicken before you put it on the cook? Oh, um... I put my. I, I try to apply my rub between eight and ten p.m. on Friday night. Uh, obviously, it stays on until it's time to cook the chicken, but but it, it's a Friday night process, and that's new for me. But uh, we've we've done that uh, starting this year. Kevin, are you toothpicking, and uh, when do you put your rub on? Uh, no, I do not toothpick. What I do is when I trim, I try to leave enough extra to be able to to tuck, and when I put my chicken on the rack to go in the refrigerator, what I will do is kind of roll it almost like, uh, kind of looks like stuffed cabbage a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I roll the edges, roll the edges around so that the skin can stretch enough. Uh, but as far as time, um, about the same as rod. Mine's usually on anywhere from 10 to 10 to two o'clock in the morning, depending upon what, uh, how efficient I've been. Tough are your toothpicking, and uh, how soon do you put your rubber? First of all, who told you about toothpicking? Uh, <laughs> second of all, you should always count when you're removing those toothpicks. But, uh, <laughs> um, and as far as the rub goes, about 45 minutes before it goes on the smoke. Wow, just 45 minutes, huh? Yeah. All right, well, that's going to uh, take us to our first break. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into the cooking portion of the show. Uh, you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show Barbecue Central Roundtable Edition here on LA Talk Radio. Stand by, and we'll be right back. Forget going from site to site to get all your barbecue and grilling supplies and make your first and final stop at fredsmusicandbbq.com. In the market for a new barbecue pit, we have all the big-name brands like Big Green Egg and more. As a matter of fact, Fred's is staffed by Eggheads and carries every single part and accessory for the egg. More of a pellet head, you say? Then check out our full lineup of Traeger Smoker Grills. Fred also carries Pro-Q Barbecue, Bradley, and Weber Smokers, as well as a full lineup of charcoal grills. And once you're outfitted with your new cooker or grill, you'll find absolutely everything you need to make your 
barbecue and grilling experience a success. Fred is a direct retailer of companies that sponsor the Barbecue Central show, like Wolf Rub Barbecue Seasonings and the folks at the Barbecue Guru. But you can also get your hands on a full lineup of spices, rubs, and sauces to marinades, accessories, love charcoal, wood chips, pellets, chunks, and even the great grilling tool by Stephen Reichland of Barbecue Ufay. Check Fred out on the web at fredsmusicandbbq.com or check out their fully stocked showroom in beautiful downtown Chillington, Pennsylvania. The future of barbecue is already here at thebarbecueguru.com. From the amazing guru that monitors and controls the temperatures of any charcoal, wood, or electric pit to the Caldera Tallboy Knockdown Smoker. Yes, it breaks down and stores flat, yet it's still a robust, sturdy, portable cooker and smokehouse. It also serves as an efficient temperature-controlled convection oven using wood or charcoal. The Tallboy is designed to fit all catering pans and can be used as a warming oven. You can cook in any style you choose, like ribs, chicken, jerky, vegetables, smoke cheese, whatever you want. Take it to KCBS competitions and unload it from the truck of your car. The BarbecueGuru.com is where you'll find the Caldera 3-Bay Caterer. It's stainless steel and uses charcoal or sterno for chafing purposes. And it doubles as a 3-Bay sink or wash station with hot water and knocks down in seconds with no tools required for transportation and storage. The future of barbecue is here at TheBarbecueGuru.com. That's www.thebbqguru.com. Or call 1-800-288-GURU. The Big Green Egg is the most unique barbecue and grilling product on the market with its unmatched capabilities and flexibility that surpass all other conventional cookers combined. It's a smoker, a grill, and an oven. You can literally cook any food on it year-round, from appetizers to entrees to desserts. The Big Green Egg lights fast, and it's ready to cook on within 10 minutes, and no need for that yucky lighter fluid. The ceramic walls retain heat with an accurate temperature control, so there are no hot spots. And since the top is down while you're cooking, there are no grease flare-ups. Its handsome, unique, and decorative design produces the juiciest and most succulent food you'll ever taste. And don't forget about the world-class customer service and the lifetime warranty that goes along with every unit. You can find out more about the Big Green Egg by visiting their website at BigGreenEgg.com. That's BigGreenEgg.com. The Big Green Egg, the most versatile and unique barbecue and grilling product on the market. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show on L.A. Talk Radio. Barbecue Central Show here on L.A. Talk Radio. It's the Barbecue Roundtable Chicken Edition. Thanks to the panel for hanging with me through the break here, and we get into the uh, cooking portion of the show. So uh, we'll start with Tuffy on this question. Tuffy, what kind of wood are you using for smoke flavor, and uh, what time do you put your chicken on uh, during competition? Well, I'm running, uh, I use a one chimney full of charcoal to get our fire going and we light that at 2:30 in the morning and at that point then we start running about 18 inch logs of hickory same size you would probably use in your fireplace at home and that begins our, our cook and our chicken uh like i was saying earlier is brian from you know in the evening before on friday night uh saturday morning uh usually about 9:30, i apply rub my chicken uh, my chicken goes on the cooker at 10 and it's pretty much done usually about quarter to 12. Rod? Well I cook with pellets Greg so um, and that that although I'm going to tell you it's a hickory oak blend it's nothing like cooking with hickory and oak logs 
Um, but I have tried every pellet under the sun under, and just about every brand. And uh, my absolute favorite are Barbecue's Delight, which, and they say hickory on them. However, I don't believe they make anything that's straight, 100% fruit wood or, or hardwood. Um, that, well, this is, a, this is a hickory oak blend. It's a third hickory and two-thirds oak. Kevin. Oh, and when do I put it on? Oh, yeah, right. I put it on about nine. About, it depends. Um, you know, everybody wants a tried-and-true recipe with times, and it doesn't work that way for me. It depends on what I see with my chicken. If it's smaller, it goes on later. If it's bigger, it goes on earlier, but around 9.30 or 10 o'clock. Kevin? Uh, I use primarily cherry for chicken. Um, I usually try to spike up the temperature, so I use real small pieces uh, in the main main chamber. Um, but generally, my chicken goes on about right around nine thirty to quarter to ten. What temperature are you guys uh, keeping your pit at when you're cooking your chicken? And we'll start with Rod. I wish I had easy answers to all these questions, but two fifty to two seventy five depends on what else is going on. Depends on. Uh, if there's still meat on the on the pit, I'm going to cook my chicken on. Uh, the weather, so many factors affect it. But uh, if I'm behind, I'll kick it up to 300 degrees. So somewhere in the range between 250 and 300 degrees, depending on uh, a lot of variables. Greg, Kevin, uh, I'll cook it in the main chamber right around 300 degrees um, for a short time. Then it gets off to smoke, and it will go on to my slide out over charcoal. Actually, it's over uh, over lump. And that can be anywhere from about 400 degrees to 500 degrees, not direct. I use it on the uh, – well, you've seen my pit before. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll bank the fire to the left side and leave the chicken on the right side and just kind of bring it up. But I like to use high heat very quickly. Tuffy. Well, where my, my temperature gauge is on my pit, it's reading – Typically between 275 and 300, uh, there's a lot of things that, that determine the temperature uh, of, of my pit and mostly how that fire is running and, and how that stack's looking. But I have a shelf in my cooker where I cook uh, my chicken, and I would say that the temperature is probably more like 325 uh, where my chicken's actually placed during the cooking process. Uh, kind of a crazy question here, but does anybody uh, mop or baste during the cooking process in order to uh, enhance or add layers of flavor? And uh, we'll start with Rod. I do, I do not. My actual cooking process is very simple. And is somebody trying to call out of the show here or what? <laughs> I think they just don't like my answer. <laughs> Go ahead, Rod. I'm sorry. Um, I don't. I don't, Greg. My process once once on the pit is very simple. I never flip it over, you know, skin side down anymore. Um, this chicken recipe I've, I, I've changed to here um, around the 1st of May is, uh, is as simple as the rest of my cooking. And so, no. Uh, don't mess with it much once it gets on the pit. Kevin? Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar. I'm sure... Rod and Tuffy are with the uh, jumping gems method. Um, I kind of use a kind of tweak that a little bit to my own uh, liking. So I kind of kind of mess with that a little bit. Um, my skin never hits the grate on my grill. Um, but uh, but no, I do not. Uh, 
I do not add any flavors or, or mop or anything like that in the process. And Tuffy? No mop. Uh, my chicken is finished with sauce, but, but no mop. All right, uh, next question. What internal temperature do you shoot for uh, for a finished temperature? And we'll start, uh, we'll start with Tuffy again. Um, for me, uh, this has been a, a, a bit of a change. I used to really like uh, my chicken thighs when they were reading about 170, 175. I really like that product. Uh, I've since uh, taken it a little hotter. And uh, and seems like my results uh, improved um, by taking it a little higher than uh, than the one seventy five mark. Rod, uh, I don't know and I don't care anymore. <laughs> Mine's all based on timing. And you know, years ago when I struggled in chicken, a very good chicken cook approached me and said, "Rod, cook it till you think it's done, and then cook it some more." And you know. That makes sense in some other categories, but it never made sense to me in chicken. And uh, believe it or not, that's how I'm cooking it now. And I put when I am done with my big cuts, I put my thermopen away, and I don't tap my chicken when it comes off the pit. Not at all. It's more of a side issue than it is uh, a temperature issue these days. However, to echo something Tuffy said, I used to religiously try to make my chicken hit 165 to 170, and... Uh, uh, again, if, if you don't believe me, look it up. Pellet Envy, until this year, was not a good chicken cook. And uh, Kevin? I generally shoot for about 176. <laughs> about. It, it can, yeah. About. about 177, 175. <laughs> yeah, somewhere around there. All right, uh, do any of you guys uh, sauce or glaze your chicken prior to uh, actually taking it off the cooker? And we'll start with Rod. Absolutely. I absolutely do. Um, anybody that knows me knows I'm a huge Blue Hog fan, and we use Blue Hog sauce in all four categories. And uh, about 1130, I use a, a glorified pigtail turner and actually dunk my chicken in sauce, dip it, dunk it, until it's completely coated, and then, it, and then set it back on the grate for it to, for it to glaze. Tuffy? Uh, when my chicken's... Uh... Pretty much, you know, when the skin is right and when, when the cooking process is, uh, well, actually, I can just do it better more by time. Typically speaking, about 11.15, I would say my chicken gets its first dunk. Uh, and then whether it's a single dunk or, or a double dunk batch, it's just going to depend on how, how it looks. And uh, Kevin? Uh, generally about 11.15 as well is when it gets the first shot and uh that'll be pretty much to the to the skin side only. I do not put uh anything on the bottom till probably like the last ten minutes. And then it gets another coat when it goes into the box on the bottom. Is there anything else you guys are doing during the cooking process uh that I haven't asked you about and we'll uh, start with Rod. Well um once in a while, I dance around naked at midnight <laughs> uh, just to help my cook here lately. It's uh, no, that's that. My process is very simple. Um, hey, can I? But I want to tell a toothpick story though. Okay. 
Uh, actually, it's a tip. This is the best piece of advice I'll have all evening. Don't use colored toothpicks if you decide to try that. Uh, it just it just doesn't work out well. Is this an inside joke? No. Think about that, Greg. Uh, I hear stories, and I don't mean one or two. I've heard several stories of guys who have used those colored toothpicks. Well, of course, the coloring of the toothpick leaches into the chicken. So they remove their toothpicks like good boys, and they turn that chicken in. And the judge takes a bite of it, and here are these blue or green or colored spots inside this chicken. And, and I can tell you that the scores uh, uh, are not good. Indeed. Kevin? <laughs> I'm sorry, what was the question again? Anything, you're, uh, anything that I hadn't mentioned during the cooking process that you do do? No, nah, it's pretty much straight on. And tough. I, I, I just think, you know, to... A friend of mine, Gary Sublet, uh, Lazy Bones, told me this years ago cooking in Shelby, North Carolina. And that is if you don't have bite-through skin on your chicken, you're not going to probably be in the top ten in chicken. And if you're not in the top ten in chicken, you're probably not going to be in the hunt to win the contest. And so I would just tell everybody out there that's uh, competing in competition barbecue, when you go to sample your chicken and, and you bite it and that skin comes off with that bite you need to try and figure out how to get bite through skin probably the most common way that people are doing it is they're using high heat and they're rendering that uh that skin um, to a point whether it be crispy or whatnot to to get bite through skin but you know i I think that's a uh, real important uh, thing to try and achieve the other thing i would say is with your bigger cuts, you know, especially with butts and, and brisket, your rest time is very long. But with chicken, your rest time is going to be a lot shorter. And so you really need to practice at home before you go to a contest. I don't know how many times I walk around in a contest setting and and cook teams have their chicken done an hour and a half before turn-in. And I just don't think they're going to have uh, a great product that way. So, uh Although I do know someone who has their chicken off two hours before turning and they win chicken a lot. But anyway, it's just managing your your cook time with chicken and bite through skin are probably really important with it, with that category. All right, well, I'm glad you uh, broached that bite through skin topic. Uh, when we get back from the second break, uh, we'll talk about post-cook events. Uh, if time permits, I have some miscellaneous questions that uh, perhaps will get everybody riled up. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. The future of barbecue is already here at thebarbecueguru.com. From the amazing guru that monitors and controls the temperatures of any charcoal, wood, or electric pit to the Caldera Tallboy Knockdown Smoker. Yes, it breaks down and stores flat, yet it's still a robust, sturdy, portable cooker and smokehouse. It also serves as an efficient temperature-controlled convection oven using wood or charcoal. The Tallboy is designed to fit all catering pans and can be used as a warming oven. You can cook in any style you choose, like ribs, chicken, jerky, vegetable smoke, 
Casey's. Whatever you want, take it to KCBS Competitions and unload it from the trunk of your car. TheBarbecueGuru.com is where you'll find the Caldera 3-Bay Caterer. It's stainless steel and uses charcoal or sterno for chafing purposes. And it doubles as a 3-Bay sink or wash station with hot water and knocks down in seconds with no tools required for transportation and storage. The future of barbecue is here at TheBarbecueGuru.com. That's www.thebbqguru.com. Or call 1-800-288-GURU. The Big Green Egg is the most unique barbecue and grilling product on the market with its unmatched capabilities and flexibility that surpass all other conventional cookers combined. It's a smoker, a grill, and an oven. You can literally cook any food on it year-round, from appetizers to entrees to desserts. The Big Green Egg lights fast, and it's ready to cook on within 10 minutes, and no need for that yucky lighter fluid. The ceramic walls retain heat with an accurate temperature control, so there are no hot spots. And since the top is down while you're cooking, there are no grease flare-ups. Its handsome, unique, and decorative design produces the juiciest and most succulent food you'll ever taste. And don't forget about the world-class customer service and the lifetime warranty that goes along with every unit. You can find out more about the Big Green Egg by visiting their website at BigGreenEgg.com. That's BigGreenEgg.com. The Big Green Egg, the most versatile and unique barbecue and grilling product on the market. Forget going from site to site to get all your barbecue and grilling supplies and make your first and final stop at FredsMusicAndBBQ.com. In the market for a new barbecue pit, we have all the big name brands like Big Green Egg and more. As a matter of fact, Fred's is staffed by eggheads and carries every single part and accessory for the egg. More of a pellet head, you say? Then check out our full lineup of Traeger Smoker Grills. Fred also carries Pro-Q Barbecue, Bradley, and Weber Smokers, as well as a full lineup of charcoal grills. And once you're outfitted with your new cooker or grill, you'll find absolutely everything you need to make your barbecue and grilling experience a success. Fred is a direct retailer of companies that sponsor the Barbecue Central show like Wolf Rub Barbecue Seasonings and the folks at the Barbecue Guru. But you can also get your hands on a full lineup of spices, rubs, and sauces to marinades, accessories, love charcoal, wood chips, pellets, chunks, and even the great grilling tool by Stephen Reichlin of Barbecue Ufane. Check Fred out on the web at fredsmusicandbbq.com or check out their fully stocked showroom in beautiful downtown Chillington, Pennsylvania. Let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show on L.A. Talk Radio. All right, getting into the post-cook gatherings here on the Barbecue Central Show. It's the roundtable edition of Chicken. Welcome back, uh, gentlemen. We'll get into the uh, post-cook here, and uh, we'll start with Kevin. Uh, After you take the chicken off the pit, uh, what do you do to it? Are you now saucing? Are you retrimming or framing garnish, et cetera? Um, generally, what I do is I'll pull it off, and uh, I'm cutting the time so close that uh, it just—it pretty much goes right in the box. Um, I pretty much trust what I've done so far, and uh, let it go as it is. Rod, not a whole—not a whole lot of screwing around. Well, I could do a lot of screwing around, but uh, <laughs> when it comes to chicken, our goal is for it to come off the pit, bring it into the trailer, because we're lucky enough that we get to cook out of a trailer once in a while, and uh, it goes almost directly into the pit. We absolutely taste it before it goes in the box. Um, that That's an issue for me, and that's what I teach in class, is a lot of guys think whatever comes off their pit is, is what they get, and we never feel that way. There's always adjustments you can make whether it's a little sauce here or a little salt there 
or a little more rub, whatever it is, and we will make those adjustments uh, if needed. Sometimes we determine we're great coming right off the pit. I would say nine times out of ten, we're making a small adjustment, usually with some rub or some salt, um, to get our chicken the way we want it to be in the box. Tuffy? Um, six, six thighs in the box, that's all that goes in, Greg, and, and away it goes. Tuffy? I, you know, I'm probably going to mimic a lot of what Rod just said. You know, uh, I think tasting uh, all of your products is really important, and I think uh, rest management uh, and 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 helps you the day of the cook uh, do a better job of that. I've got two teammates, my father and Kendall, and Kendall at one point was always the taster for Cool Smoke. Well, Kendall can't go on as many contests as we can go on, and Thank my goodness. father doesn't like to play the role of taster, and so I really had to focus and, and, and make sure I keep myself hydrated and drink a lot of water and, and get as much rest as I can so that I uh, come, you know, starting at about, you know, quarter to 12 through 130, I'm tasting these products, and, and, and we will tweak and adjust as well. Um, my my chicken, generally speaking, is is ready at, at quarter to 12, but I don't build my box. I can build a chicken box really quickly, uh, so it probably rests on the counter in, in, inside my uh RV for about uh, eight, ten minutes or something like that, uh, and, and during that time I'm uh, tasting and, and picking and selecting the, the, the portions that are going to go into our box. And once again, we'll we'll do six thighs. I have done a couple of times eight thighs, but typically speaking, it's six thighs. Uh, does anybody use the same hey, sauce? Hey, Greg, I want to yep. say, too, that when Kendall can't make it with Tuffy, we we breathe a little easier because we think we at least have a shot those days. When uh, Kendall's with him as a taster, you're, everybody's cooking for second place. He's got the sharp palate. Does anybody use the same sauce or glaze uh, on your chicken that you use on uh, uh-huh. any of your other Greg turn-in meats? I think you're right. What's that? There he is. Lost worried about you. Got me. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, is anybody yeah. does anybody use the same sauce or glaze on your chicken uh, that you use on your other turnips? And uh, we'll start with Rod. Uh, I use blue hawk sauce on everything. So the short answer to that is yes, absolutely. Keep it simple. Tuffy. Uh, the sauce that I'm using on my chicken, I use on my brisket, and then the sauce that I use on my ribs and pork are the same. Kevin? Yeah, everything is the same on mine. Is there anything else that you guys do to the chicken uh, after <clears throat> you take it off the pit that we haven't covered already? And uh, we'll start with Tuffy. Well, you need to remove those toothpicks, so you should count. Uh, <laughs> and needle nose are a nifty little tool to get them out. Right. That is a great tip, by the way. If you're going to use those toothpicks, you got to take them out of there. You get DQ'd. And uh, I can't tell you. I would I would have to say that um, toothpicks left in the chicken has to be top three for a DQ in the chicken category. Guys, just count them. Do something. Uh, if you can count to, to 12 so you get two per, do something, but get them out of there. Um, no, you pretty much have my entire process. Uh, tonight, I, I didn't think you could beat it out of me, but you shamed me into telling you everything. <laughs> Kevin, 
the only thing that I do otherwise right before the box closes, I give it a little shot of a uh, little shot of uh, water just for a nice little shine. That's it. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and move to kind of some uh, miscellaneous questions that have to do with chicken since we've covered all the uh, the cooking uh, portions. Uh, a lot of things, that, uh, probably the thing that I see that recurs most on any barbecue form is this uh, mystique and this majesty of this bite-through skin, and it seems to elude a lot of teams or it's something they can't emulate uh, on a consistent basis. Is there anything that you guys can point to in your cooking process that helps you get this result every time? And uh, we'll talk with Rod first. Um. You know what? I wish I could get it every time. <laughs> uh, when I figure that out, I'll call back in and let you know. But I still struggle with the bite through skin every time. Um, and truthfully, the, the hardest part for me is when we started to cook, you didn't have to have bite through skin. Um, and and for those of you, please don't confuse bite through skin with crunchy skin. They are not the same thing. A bite through skin can be very flexible. Um, not rigid and, and, and crunchy like, like Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, I hope that wasn't a plug for them. But, but, it, uh, but, but I, I think now, more than ever, the bite-through skin is important to the point that I think they, not I think, they teach it. They teach that. If you present chicken with skin on, they require the judges to take a bite of that skin. And if they get that mouthful of skin, uh, I think it's all over for you in the chicken category. Tuffy? You know, I've tried different methods trying to uh, get bite through chicken for every contest, and and I've had contests where my skin wasn't bite through. Um, I used to really struggle in very humid, rainy conditions uh, with the skin on my chicken. I used to cook at a lower section on my pit at a lower temperature. Um, by moving my chicken uh, to the upper rack on my pit and cooking at a higher temp, um, by looking for thin-skinned chicken, you know, I guess for the listeners, it's like, you know, what do you mean by looking for thin-skinned chicken? You know, when you're looking at that skin, you know, that chicken in its package and you're looking through the, the, the shrink wrap, is, you know, if you can see skin that's kind of translucent, uh, that's a good thing. But, you know, I, I, I seek out thin skin. Um, and then by cooking at a higher heat, uh, my skin at different, and it's not a crisp, it's Rod's correct in, in describing, you can have bite-through skin that, that is supple and, and not necessarily crunchy or crispy. But my, my skin on my chicken thighs will render. You'll see the, the, the fat start to cook out of this skin. It'll look much like, uh, like like a roasted chicken in the oven might when it's cooking for a period of time and 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 so that's how I get it with my uh, on my pit with my cooker and I'm not doing it over direct heat I'm not doing it over a grill and 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 I have a lot of success with with that method. Uh, speaking of supple, Kevin, uh, are you? Uh, can you point to anything in particular uh, in your cooking process that gets you the bite through skin every time? Uh, I think the the Jumpin' Jim's method in itself kind of lends itself. Um, I had one contest that I did this past year. It was the first contest in in probably the last, I'd say probably six to eight that I did, that I did not have bite through skin. Uh, I've been pretty pretty good with that. Um, I think that was just more of a timing issue why I didn't get it. Um, 
but I think it, it's kind of the that process kind of lends itself to allowing you to get that or at least helping you to get it. Uh, the other thing that I do too is during the prep or after the brine, um, I'm sure Tuffy can attest to the, it's like a, the big, I call it a big glob, a snot that's underneath the skin after you brine. Um, <laughs> I always try to, <laughs> I always try to get that out of there because I yeah. just think it's just, the, the more that you can get out from underneath the skin, I've seen people actually pull almost all the skin off and scrape and I tried that one time. It didn't work for me, so I'm never going to do it again. Uh, I just try to get as much much of that stuff off as I can. Um, but it's it's kind of lent. It's 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 worked for me very very well. All right, uh, last question. I believe, uh, depending on uh, how long we take to answer this, uh, garnish has always uh, kind of been a nice topic to debate. Uh, let's not debate about you know whether it should be allowed or not in the box. Uh, obviously, some sanctioning bodies have it, some don't. Uh, you guys are all KCBS uh, active, so let's look at it in a different way. Garnish sits kind of like in this a- ambiguous position in the KCBS rules. Uh, all of you compete there. Uh, it's not mandatory. Uh, would you like to see it voted in as mandatory versus this kind of optional status uh, that it has for many years? Um, because let's face it, it, it's probably popular opinion that if you don't put garnish in the box, you're probably not going to get scored as well as uh, if somebody uh, puts together a, a nice garnish in a box. And uh, we'll start with Tuffy. Uh, you know, I like, you know, when we get out of barbecue season and, and guys get on the, you know, start talking about garnish versus no garnish, it gives me something to kind of read and, and chuckle about. You know, I to me it doesn't matter whether we uh, use garnish or not, you know, but as long as they, as long as it's an option, I'll always put it in the box. Um, I spend a lot. To me, every step, every layer, everything that I, from from purchase of meat to cleanliness of pit to the wood I use to to the freshness of my rubs, every detail is important. And and so, uh, putting the greenery in my boxes is just one more thing that that I focus on and and try. I mean. <laughs> I, sometimes I have a harder time finding fresh greens than I do good meat. But um, as long as it's an option, uh, I'll put it in the box. If it ever went away, uh, I actually think it would be more difficult uh, or take more time to make a beautiful box with no greenery in it than it does uh, to make a good-looking box with greenery in it. But you would never turn in a box at this point without putting greens in it? I would not. Rod? Well, you know I'm the rules committee chairperson for KCBS, so this is <laughs> I'm not going to be politically correct because it is your show, Greg, and that's what we do here. But you know what? If you don't like garnish, don't put it in the box. And please do that when you come against me. Um, as long as the garnish is, a, is, a, is an option, something we can use, do it. As far as making it required, um, I don't think we should make it required, and I'll tell you why. I'll try to do it quickly, um, simply because if somebody new wants to come on and cook two categories on a Saturday morning, do ribs and chicken, if they just want to try it out for their first time, they shouldn't have to have to have garnish in the box. However, this is what I said before. Please, don't use garnish when you cook against me. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin? Um, getting back to Tuffy's comment about uh, being, it being harder without a garnish, uh, I did a contest up in Niagara Falls this year, and it was it was a uh, the best of the best qualifier, and it was there was no garnish, and I tell you what, it was a major pain in the butt. 
Um, I always thought, you know, God, as I'm doing a doing a a, a box with uh, with greenery, and I'm thinking, my God, this is a pain in the ass. I hate this. Blah 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 blah. Everybody knows how much I bitch at a contest. But anyways, <laughs> um, I ended up putting my placing my chicken in the box and having to pull it back out at the last second to clean it because it looked like crap with no garnish in there. And it's like you're just hoping that nothing slides. But it, I never ever 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 want to do another. No garnish box. It, it's it sucks. I, I don't like it at all. And I'm sure I know Diva's out there listening. We we were all at that contest pissing and moaning about it. But uh, yeah, it, it wasn't fun. Hardline last makes a great point, Greg, and that is that garnish does hide some sins you don't think about. That's right. Uh, last part of the show, uh, typically everybody's favorite. This is the the plugs and parting shots, uh, where obviously you revere me first. Uh, but then if you have any sponsors or websites that you would like to point people to, uh, feel free to do that. And we'll start with Tuffy. Oh, I just, if you ever down our way down here in Richmond, Virginia, Midlothian, Virginia, come by the restaurant. Uh, our website is qbarbecue.com, and it's Q-U-E. But uh, I, like, I always like when competition – I get a little nervous when competition cooks come in to eat, but I always enjoy it, and we always uh, talk about cooking and methods and recipes, and it's a good time. Uh, Tuffy, you certainly didn't kiss my ass enough, so go ahead and try again. <laughs> uh, I really uh, appreciate you uh, uh, having me on your show. It's been a lot of fun. It's uh, It's been a learning uh, opportunity for me, and I appreciate the, the chance. Rod, go ahead. Well, first of all, Greg, I don't care what Tuffy says about you. I enjoy your show when I get to listen to it. You do a great job. Do a service for, for barbecue, uh, competition barbecue especially. Um, my only plug is for my sponsor, Grease Lightning. It's a great product, except it's not a chicken marinade, so don't use it for that. But uh, I seem to do better when I polish my pit with Grease Lightning before I cook. So uh, if, you, if my last parting shot is uh, clean your pit up with Grease Lightning and you'll cook chicken better. And uh, Kevin? Uh, I'd like to thank Greg for the opportunity to uh, join these uh, two legends of the sport, and I think it is a sport. Um, I am a frequent poster on uh, Barbecue Central Forum and have been for quite some time and uh, got to know Greg and actually did a cook-up at his house uh, a few years ago, which was which was quite interesting. But uh, as far as plugs go, um, Dave Close is a sponsor of mine. Um, you guys ever get a chance to use his poultry rub? Um, it's very good. I do use it. Um, and we won't get into the pit conversation, but... That's about it. <laughs> All right. Hey, Greg, there was, I think we've developed a new topic for a new show I'd like to be a part of, by the way. Go ahead, share it. Uh, whether barbecue, Crumpton's barbecue is a sport or not. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you now, in case you don't get me back, nothing you can do while drinking a beer should be considered a sport. <laughs> well, bowling and <laughs> Actually, golf we had trouble. that conversation once before, didn't we? That <laughs> yeah, was always a topic did. on a show. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Ron. Do a whole show, in my hey, opinion. Hey, we're all athletes. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> look at you guys. Your physical specimen. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I am a specimen. Rod Gray, Kevin Tarazuski, and Tuffy Stone, guys. Uh, thanks for coming on tonight and uh, thanks, talking sir. chicken barbecue. And we'll catch you down the road. Continued success to each and every one of you. Thank you very thanks, much, Greg. All right, there it is. First uh, live episode of the Barbecue Roundtable. Thought it went pretty good. Can't complain. Let me uh, direct you to these people's websites. 
qbarbecue.com. That's uh, Tuffy Stone. He's also the pitmaster of Cool Smoke. I believe they were 2007 uh, KCBS Team of the Year. That's qubarbecue.com. Uh, I will also have links to everybody's uh, websites in the show notes on the LA Talk Radio homepage and on iTunes as well. Uh, Rod Gray can be found at pelletenvy.com. Also, I believe it's greased-lightning.com, if I remember correctly from uh, previous posts. Kevin Terazuski is the uh, mark for Barbecue Central, which can be found at thebbqcentral.com. Uh, thanks to each and every one of those guys for coming on and actually sharing what they're doing at contests. Hopefully you were able to take something from that. I know we didn't really get into the backyard portion of things, but the barbecue roundtable has kind of evolved into more of a, uh, a competition side. Now that we got all the four meets done, perhaps we'll start looking at a roundtable for the backyard. So if you're interested, go ahead and give me a shout via email, bbqcentralradio at gmail.com if you'd like to take part in the uh, Barbecue Central Roundtable uh, Backyard Edition. We'll do that bis- briskets, butts, chickens, ribs, First emailer in tonight with the name Pellet Envy gets the two-pack of Petey River Swamp Sauce, which is donated by SwampSauce.com. We'll see you back here again next Tuesday for the Barbecue Central Show. This is your program host, Greg Rempe. Good night now. Forget going from site to site to get all your barbecue and grilling supplies and make your first and final stop at Fred's Music and BBQ.com. In the market for a new barbecue pit, we have all the big name brands like Big Green Egg and more. As a matter of fact, Fred's is staffed by Egghead and carries every single part and accessory for the egg. More of a pellet head, you say? Then check out our full lineup of Traeger Smoker Grills. Fred also carries Pro-Q Barbecue, Bradley, and Weber Smokers, as well as a full lineup of charcoal grills. And once you're outfitted with your new cooker or grill, you'll find absolutely everything you need to make your barbecue and grilling experience a success. Fred is a direct retailer of companies that sponsor the Barbecue Central show like Wolf Rub Barbecue Seasonings and the folks at the Barbecue Guru. But you can also get your hands on a full lineup of spices, rubs, and sauces to marinades, accessories, love charcoal, wood chips, pellets, chunks, and even the great grilling tool by Stephen Reichland of Barbecue U-Fame. Check Fred out on the web at fredsmusicandbbq.com or check out their fully stocked showroom in beautiful downtown Chillington, Pennsylvania. The future of barbecue is already here at thebarbecueguru.com. From the amazing guru that monitors and controls the temperatures of any charcoal, wood, or electric pit to the Caldera Tallboy knockdown smoker. Yes, it breaks down and stores flat, yet it's still a robust, sturdy, portable cooker and smokehouse. It also serves as an efficient temperature-controlled convection oven using wood or charcoal. The Tallboy is designed to fit all catering pans and can be used as a warming oven. You can cook in any style you choose, like ribs, chicken, jerky, vegetable smoke, Jeez, whatever you want. Take it to KCBS competitions and unload it from the truck of your car. TheBarbecueGuru.com is where you'll find the Caldera 3-Bay Caterer. It's stainless steel and uses charcoal or sterno for chafing purposes. And it doubles as a 3-Bay sink or wash station with hot water and knocks down in seconds with no tools required for transportation and storage. The future of barbecue is here at TheBarbecueGuru.com. That's www.thebbqguru.com. Or call 1-800-288-GURU. 
The Big Green Egg is the most unique barbecue and grilling product on the market with its unmatched capabilities and flexibility that surpass all other conventional cookers combined. It's a smoker, a grill, and an oven. You can literally cook any food on it year-round, from appetizers to entrees to desserts. The Big Green Egg lights fast, and it's ready to cook on within 10 minutes, and no need for that yucky lighter fluid. The ceramic walls retain heat with an accurate temperature control, so there are no hot spots. And since the top is down while you're cooking, there are no grease flare-ups. Its handsome, unique, and decorative design produces the juiciest and most succulent food you'll ever taste. And don't forget about the world-class customer service and the lifetime warranty that goes along with every unit. You can find out more about the Big Green Egg by visiting their website at BigGreenEgg.com. That's BigGreenEgg.com. The Big Green Egg, the most versatile and unique barbecue and grilling product on the market.